guys asked me what my perfect night would be, I told them the truth. Beer and board games. They thought I was kidding. I was not kidding. Ladies and gentlemen, you know what that sound means. It means that it's episode 155 of the Personal Arrogance Podcast. I believe it's 155. Yes, it is. All right, starring me, Eric Walquist, and uh, starring the other star, star himself, Mr. Uh, Jesse uh, something to something Wilson. There you go. As you can see, we're bringing the thunder this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're on point. <laughs> hey man, it's a sleepy summer day. What are you going to do? It is a sleepy summer day. I took like a two-hour nap after work. Naps make for good craps. That's what I yeah, would say. That good podcasting, though. It's like the raisin brand of the consciousness. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Jesse, how was your week? Pretty busy. I uh, I hiked up to Lena Lake on the weekend and uh, did yeah. some other stuff. Did you do that with baby? Yeah. And was it just a day hike, or did you guys stay over? Uh, just a day hike. My parents mm-hmm. stayed over, oh. so uh, they hiked up, and we hiked up with them and hiked back down. I wanted, I wish I could have stayed, but I didn't bring up any equipment. Well, you can always use the stars as your blanket. No. <laughs> Not in Washington. No, I, I wasn't going to do that. Yeah. Well, you could use your baby as your blanket. <laughs> That's uh, true. That's cool. Yeah, I had a super busy weekend. I went to 90s night, danced my butt off a little bit. Yeah, I forgot. You like that 90s night. 90s night's good. Soul night's better. But 90s night is really fun. And I finally got the wardrobe down, which is good. Is that what the what bar is that at? It's at the Lo-Fi in East Lake. That's the one I went to yes. once. Yeah, with Tasha when you guys like first started dating. Yeah, that was that was like our first date or something. Yeah, it was a little awkward, I think, for a date. Yeah, and also, uh, well, she she may have consumed something mm. that was putting her in a weird mood. So, I think she was having a weird experience, and it's not <laughs> entirely the fault of '90s night. Oh well, uh, but in, in earlier '90s nights, because like if you go to '90s night, you got to push it real good. <laughs> like that's the whole thing. '90s dancing is really tough. It's very aerobic. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a lot of thrusting. There's a lot of uh, knee movement. Um, I really want you to quit your job and open a '90s music workout studio. I I think I sh- I could be at the new Richard Simmons, dude. That guy. I mean, '90s is almost oldies music at this point, right? It, I think it, to some people it is. I mean, yeah, '90s like you're talking 20 years. Like ni- 1993 was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. So we could be sweating sweating to the '90s. We got to figure out a new a better name for it, but. Needless to say, you sweat a lot. I used to go to these nights, and I would wear, like, jeans and an undershirt and a button-up shirt over that, and then maybe a hat, and uh, it was 
awful. It was really awful. And uh, you would step outside of the 90s club, and then all of a sudden you'd be hit with, like, the worst chill of your life because you're literally just drenched in sweat when you're in there. So this time I wore a Sonics basketball jersey in shorts, and I was cruising. So, anyway, I finally got 90s night down. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah, it sounds like uh, you've really got the formula. Yeah, I pushed it real good. Yeah. What do you – is there like a quintessential 90s beverage you consume? No. uh, Because that might be the next step. Yeah, I think, you know, that would be like Zima. (laughs) I feel like Zima would be there. I, I feel sad. Like, I've never had Zima, and I probably never will. You should you should buy some bottles of Zima off the internet and bring those with oh, you. Oh god, yeah, Zima and then like Bartles and James, which I'm pretty it, sure you can still get. You could always you could always just bring empty bottles and fill it up with water mm-hmm. and club that, soda. Yeah, you but, can make a vodka. Uh, it would tonic. look like a Zima. So I mean, basically, that's like Smirnoff Ice right now, right? I think it's kind of the same thing. I have, I don't know. I never consumed a Zima. Well, I'm going to look on eBay real quick uh, for <laughs> Zima. But uh, while I do that, Jesse, uh, do uh, oh, I guess it's my dedication this week. It is. Well, I'm going to dedicate this episode to somebody who's really cool, really fun. His name is John O'Brien. He's been on the cast before, um, and he has uh, he he he's our he was our Pax East correspondent this year, and uh, he decided to open up a little beer exchange with me. Um, a while ago, Jr. from Philly uh, told us about Allagash at the uh, Philly Beer Week, and I said, well, I wish I could get Allagash, so John O'Brien from Massachusetts decided to send me some Allagash. Wow. Um, one of the bottles broke <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> during nice. the shipment process, so uh, it's the box reeked of, of, uh, of stale beer, but mm. that doesn't change the flavor of the three that made it, and they are delicious. So I'm drinking the Allagash White, uh, brewed with spices from you Portland, Maine. better save one for me. I only got two, bro. My brother-in-law wow. accidentally drank one. I was like, dude, those are for my podcast. He's like, hmm? Wow. So, Jeez. Well, I hope you know, uh, John O'Brien, that hmm. Eric's being a, a beer hoarder and not sharing with his podcast buddy. That's true, man. That's not fair. <sighs> what? Somebody's selling an empty... Zima six pack. Good, buy that. Twenty bucks for an empty Zima six pack. <laughs> That's the that makes your uh, that makes your uh, costume complete. I guess. Look at the like the, all. All everybody's selling is empty ones. One Zima gold and one Zima clear malt bottle with caps. Ten dollars starting bid. Fifteen dollars. Buy it now. <laughs> and then all all the rest of the stuff is just. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Zima Malt Beverage Vintage Unopened 12-ounce bottle. $20 or best offer. I don't know that you need an unopened one. I, I want to go unopened, dude. I want to I, I taste the fever. I want to get some of this and then some Crystal Clear Coke. Well, for one, there's no way that held up good. It's malted. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I have a feeling it would be pretty disgusting. It would probably be pretty foul. Shipping thirteen and a half dollars. So basically, nice. you're dropping thirty three dollars for a twelve ounce or a Zima. I say you just buy an empty one, fill it up with water, stay mm-hmm. hydrated, and uh, complete the costume. I guess so. I just really want Zima, man. Anyway, well, maybe so- your boyfriend John could send you a six pack of it. <laughs> you could drink them all. <laughs> John O'Brien has a fridge full of Zima. 
Uh, but anyway, that's what I'm drinking this week is Allagash. Jesse, what are you drinking? Um, I'm actually drinking some uh, hot tea because I'm trying to recover from my nap. I need I need a little yeah. pep. You need a pick me. You need a pick me up. Mm-hmm. I did have a Jaeger bomb at 90s night. Wow. Uh, and then I washed it down with like a few tall boys of Rainier. Yeah. Put that in your stomach and do it. But yeah. uh, but also, uh, before the night was over, my wife made me drink an entire Nalgene worth of uh, – entire Nalgene bottle uh, worth of water. And worth of Zima. Woke up – yeah, worth of Zima. Woke up in the morning completely fine, no hangover. And I was like more drunk than I've been in a very long time. Yeah, you night. need to stay hydrated. It was great, man. Uh, so highly recommend that. That's an early reco. Uh, speaking of great stuff, we got a couple of phone calls this week. Starting off with a great question from our friend in, I guess he's in uh, Indiana now. Uh, great friend of the show. We love him. You love him. His name's Roger Datsy. Here's his message. Eric, Jesse, how's it going? It's Roger. I was uh, just calling to say, well, first of all, sorry I haven't gotten in touch in a few weeks. Uh, my little boy decided to come six weeks early, right at the start of my pediatric residency. Mm-hmm. So life's been a little bit crazy between baby bear and uh, seeing kids, uh, seeing patients. Um, haven't had a whole lot of time to think about anything else. Uh, but then I saw a shirt the other day. Um, it was the Ohio Bigfoot Conference 2013. And I looked into this. I thought, okay, maybe this is a hiking thing or something. I looked into this. No, it's a, it is a legitimate conference where Bigfoot enthusiasts get together. Now, now I, I'm not saying that Ohio is a great Bigfoot area. I know he's a big Pacific Northwest person. But there's, they had a biologist. <laughs> That's the definition. Had researchers, field researchers, cryptozoologists giving talks. It, it just seemed amazing. And uh, I want to go to something like that in the future. Now, my question to you all is, besides Bigfoot, what mythical creature would you like to go to a conference on? I think it's... I would like to know, and I'm trying to decide which one I should go to whenever I have the time and money. <laughs> uh, anyway, I know it's a silly question, but I saw that shirt and thought it was cool, and want to see what you guys thought. Uh, anyway, have a good one. Thanks for everything, and stay arrogant. Get off back, Roger. Uh, a couple of things I really want to highlight here. First of all, I think it'd be great to have a outdoor clothing outfitting company called Seattle Bigfoot Convention. And then that's just your logo is Seattle Big, Bigfoot Convention. You know, it's like a t-shirt. Yeah. So sell, <laughs> you want to sell t-shirts that say Seattle Bigfoot Convention? Right, but it's actually like a brand for outdoor stuff. Oh. Get it? Yeah. You have your Seattle Bigfoot Convention tent. Sell it at REI. Second of all, I'm going to go with Lake Monsters. Uh, big fan of Lake Monsters. Always love Loch Ness. Uh, lake Monsters are interesting, and they are completely quacky. Mostly logs. <laughs> there, there'd have to be a panel called just like uh, how to spot a log and turn it into a lake monster. So I, I would go with Lake Monsters. Uh, 
Jesse, yeah. I know you're a big fan of fake <laughs> fake animals. I might go with uh, Chupacabra. Uh-huh, Chupacabra, yeah. Yeah, well, the con is Chupacabra. Exactly. And uh, that that's held in Mexico City each year. Mm-hmm. That's I think that's going to have the best food of all the cons. See, that's the name of my taco shop is the Mexico City Chupacabra Convention. <laughs> all the every taco shell yeah. is em- emblazoned with that. <laughs> you know, I also I just got this uh, card game smash up where you like smash two genres together. So you have, like dinosaur zombies or alien wizards, and I think one overlooked mythical creature is like the gnome <laughs> slash leprechaun. Mm. I want to explore gnomes. Yeah, not great uh, food at the leprechaun. <laughs> no. That, Lots <laughs> of gold, that, that's the, that one lends itself the best to a con t-shirt. Leprechaun. Oh, that's perfect. Don't get it confused with leprechaun, though. Oh, no. That's a totally different convention. That's held on, held on the island of Lanai. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, the Emerald Isle, they call it, which leads oh no. to further confusion. Emerald because of all the open uh, gangrenous sores. Oh, no. <laughs> I'd like to apologize to all of our listeners suffering from leprosy. Uh, Survivors of leprosy, they prefer to be called. Right. All right. Then we also got another update from our buddy JR uh, out in Philadelphia. West Philadelphia, I believe. Born and raised. Um, so here's uh, here's JR. What's up, Arrogance? It's JR from Philly. Hey, calling about this uh, small brew act that's been back in the news since it was reintroduced. I know you guys were talking about it back in May. So it was in our news because our one of our senators uh, from Pennsylvania, Bob Casey, was stomping for the bill at the place where my fiance and I are getting hitched, the Allentown Brew Works, which is one of the uh, local small craft breweries in the state. And I like this article because it's got a lot of nice stats. So as we've talked about before, it, it would move the defin- definition of a small uh, craft brewery f- from 2 million barrels up to 6 million barrels. Um, the implications is That's a lot of talking about like Sierra Nevada and Sam Adams, but also the Pennsylvania-based Yingling, although they're not really a craft beer, they're a brewery, uh, would also qualify as uh, to get the tax breaks uh, that are involved with that definition. And, of course, it would exclude Miller's, uh, Coors, and Heineken. The legislation would save Allentown and Bethlehem Brewworks, which brew about 4,000 barrels a year, about $12,500, enough to hire a part-time employee or purchase new equipment. It would save uh, Boston Beer Company, which does more than 2.5 million barrels, up to 4 million. So some of the other stats in here that were kind of cool, the beer industry as a whole contributes $250 billion a year to the national economy. And uh, in the context of Pennsylvania, we have, as of 2012, over 100 licensed breweries, which is twice as many as uh, 10 years ago in 2001. And uh, it's $1.1 billion economic impact in Pennsylvania. Nationally, craft beer... Uh, produced 13.2 million barrels in 2012, uh, which makes up just 6% of the U.S. beer market. And to put that in perspective, Miller Coors sold about 60 million barrels themselves in 2011. 
So I like the numbers. Uh, Jesse, I don't know, you were on the fence on this. Um, so resurrecting this discussion, it can't be any worse than resurrecting the brony discussion. <laughs> so stay arrogant, get off my backs, keep brewing, see you later. Get off my backs, JR. <laughs> get off the beast of two backs. Get off all my backs. Um, first of all, uh, that's a lot of barrels. That is. Second of all, uh, I know that there are a lot of licensed breweries. I'm more interested in the unlicensed breweries. Yeah, bre- going rogue. Going that, rogue. Well, that's what rogue brewery is. <laughs> They've been operating all this time with no license. They're Hence technically the a homebrew. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but Jesse, what's your take on this? What do you think should qualify as a as a craft brewery? I don't know. You know. I don't know. I mean, it's too big of a question. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that uh, one of the guys, the founder at um, Lagunitas, was basically saying it seems like, in his opinion, it's kind of a tax dodge. Like, why should they be exempted from paying taxes versus winemakers or distillers or you know other mm-hmm. producers of beverage but uh, it's good for certain companies yeah i mean i think that a uh, craft brewery is kind of like pornography you know when you see it <laughs> you know that's like the supreme court's definition and i of like to enjoy it every day <laughs> with no one else around uh yeah, I think it's – like I said, I, I just think like you know a craft brewery when you see it. I, I think that sometimes those perceptions can change. I don't really see Sam Adams as a craft brewery anymore. Um, but at the same time, I, I struggle with looking at uh, Red Hook as a craft brewery as well. So uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. When you're talking about small, two million barrels is not small. Yeah. Like for scale, the brewery where I work, we do like – we did 2,500 last year pushing 2800 this year and like that's a big change for us to add 300 extra barrels yeah per year and uh when you're going into the millions of barrels that's a huge amount like that's not a that's not a small business that's like yeah a medium to large size business at this point and you have a nationwide distribution you could go to any state in the union and people are aware of your brand and you can find it in grocery stores all over the country. There's nothing small about that. Yeah, you know, that's what he was saying. Like, you was basically talking like a brewery around your size, they could, sell like, they could save like $12,500 a year uh-huh. enough for like a, a part-time employee. Uh, whereas if you're brewing, if you have like 2 million barrels, you're saving like $8 million a year. That's a, that's a big difference. Yeah. Um, that's, a, that's a pretty big tax break, so... That said, I mean, it is good to, especially this day and age, to promote uh, or give give small businesses the ability to hire more people because that's what's yep. going to keep the economy growing and trucking along, and that's going to help. I mean, the the government's still making money off of payroll tax, so true that. Like, yo. If you hire another employee, that's, that's still it ends up going back to the federal government <laughs> at some point. Yeah, it's probably not eight million dollars. No. But I don't know. It's good. It keeps people employed and it yeah. keeps it gives small businesses a chance to thrive. So I like that. It's just where do you draw the line? I think you're right. You kind of know it when you see it. But yeah. I mean, would you consider um, Sierra Nevada a crapper? I wouldn't personally. What about Stone? Stone, I probably would um, because you can't buy a Stone six pack for less than $12. <laughs> 
Well, I don't know if that. <laughs> Where you can get a Sierra, you can get a Sierra Nevada twelve pack for like fourteen. I wish I had some of these stats here in a different no. magazine, but I don't know. It's well, a confusing question, but obviously, it's good for my industry to have lower taxes. But at what point is it, you know, not fair? Yeah, you know, you got to look at it from a every business perspective. Whatever. Yeah. Beer talk. That's been beer talk for this week. Brought to you by the 2014 Kia Beer Rento. All right, let's uh, do a little tiny minute roll-off before this thing goes completely off the rails. We're each going to roll a 20-sided die, see who gets to talk first on the podcast this week. And here we go. Oh, I rolled a 20, Eric. (laughs) I rolled a 1. Oh, double king, (laughs) emperor of the cast. A turtle turtle sultan of the podcast, Jesse. Uh, You get to go first. What do you got? A turtle sultan indeed. Um, so, uh, for my first topic, I'd like to take a note from a listener who wrote in Mm -hmm. and, uh, um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna scale back the beer talk. Mm -hmm. I thought we could discuss, Eric, um, our list of the top three hottest babes. (laughs) So, uh, hot babe one (laughs) is really hot. But I think that hot babe number two is mm-hmm. just a little bit hotter. What do you think? I don't know, man. I think hot babe number three. Now, hot babe number three is a wild card. Right. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, no, I'm actually going to talk more about beer because okay. there, there is big beer news, not just a small uh, brew act, but in the macro world, as it were. So the uh, – I'm trying to see. Do you remember where that message came in? Was that on uh, Facebook or was that Gmail? That, that was Gmail. It was Gmail. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway, sorry if you don't like the beer talk, mm-hmm. but um, you can fast forward. That's true. We do put the time codes for each of the topics, and we got some pretty big movie stuff coming up. So if you don't yeah. like beer, go to movies. I'm I'm not going to be offended. Um, so the uh, Belgian-Brazilian-based company AB InBev, mm-hmm. which you may know, um, uh, controls Anheuser-Busch now. Right. Um, and among other big brands like uh, Stella Artois and Brazil- some Brazilian brands that I, for whatever reason, can't remember. Uh-huh. But they've, they've, picked up, uh, they've picked up a new company, and that's Grupo Modelo. Uh, oh. Who famously brews right. Corona and Negro Modelo and Modelo, yeah. and um, so the combined company is going to lead the uh, global beer industry with 400 million hectoliters of beer. <laughs> I don't actually know the conversion between U.S. barrels and hectoliters, but it's a shit ton of beer. Hectoliters, hectoliters. And uh, now they they control five of the top six most valuable beer brands in the world. Mm -hmm. So basically, there's a beer super giant. Technically uh, technically still a craft brewery. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks to Pennsylvania Senator Jim Crafty. What was I forget his name? Anyway. John uh, John Crafty. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Uh, The Crafty Brothers. Yep, Chris Crafty. (laughs) So, um, and interestingly, they say 
Now, I'm not much of a corporate guy. Maybe you could explain what this means. But this is going to result in a $1 billion savings in cost synergies. Oh. So somehow, I'm Mm. guessing, like, I don't know. Somehow they're going to, by acquiring this, oh, I should mention it was a $20.1 billion acquisition. Excellent. So so crazy. I wish I owned Corona. yeah, the the Crown portfolio, uh, so it's like Modelo Crown was uh-huh. the group that was uh, acquired, mm-hmm. and they that includes Corona, Extra Corona Light, Modelo Special, uh, Negro Modelo, Pacifico, mm-hmm. Victoria, as well as Sing Tao from China. So basically every Mexican cerveza, yeah, and then Sing Tao. Uh, so I don't know. It, is this a good thing for beer? Yeah, you know, when you say corporate synergies or cost synergies, I mean, yeah, what that makes me synergies. think is basically they're going to have more distribution channels. And I mean, if you're looking at uh, a uh, – it seems like a move into Latin America. You have InBev, which right. was a European company brewing mostly in Europe, buying the number one beer brand in the United States in, in Anheuser-Busch. And then now operating and buying probably the biggest beer brand in Latin America. Yeah. So, and they also uh, acquired the their distribution network. So I think exactly. you're probably right. Yeah. So this means that now they're going to be able to sell. Do they do they own Heineken too? Or am I off No, Heineken is like one of the rogue brands that they don't control. Is it like Bex or something? I'm just saying that they're going to be able to move their, like, their German brands now into – Latin America in a much easier way because they're going to be able to brew it and just dis- and and distribute it directly from Latin America. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, Is it a good thing for brewing? I don't know because it's it's definitely <laughs> a like it, you're gonna. It's more. It makes the the landscape more homogenous. So I don't know what the brewing culture is in Latin America. It's it's good for them and it may introduce some new beers across Latin America. But I don't know if it's good for brewing. Yeah, I'm. I'm just wondering. I and I have this thought every now and then because the craft beer movement is kind of a. I, I still think of it as a pretty fragile. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A fragile thing. It's a fledgling. It's fledgling still. Uh, uh, yeah, it definitely is. And I wonder, like, if if Anheuser Busch had made just like Budweiser IPA or AB yep. IPA in mm-hmm. 1993, like, would I have a job? Uh huh. Like, would there be this uh, economy? Sure, there's always going to be craft beer, but would it be as big as uh, it is now? If mm. instead of instead of having like a Sam Adams, you right. just had um, Budweiser or a, or leading or a the way. Brothers. Woodmer Brothers was one of those pioneering guys up here right. in the Northwest. Red Hook, Red all Hook. that. If it yep. just been Budweiser IPA. Well, I I still knows? think that you would have it because if you look at all industries right now, they're all becoming more craft based. And I think that, you know, social media and the spread of the internet has really helped that out. And I don't know if that's necessarily from a brewing perspective, but there's a lot more beer blogs. There's a lot more, you know, beeradvocate.com is a pretty big site, whether you agree with it or not, agree with what they have on there or not. Um, but that's like every industry. You want to look at gaming, both the video game industry now with like, now you have devices like the Ouya, which is strictly Android based. And, that is a device that is basically catering toward independent developers. And then you also have on the other side, see what Kickstarter's done in the board gaming world that now if somebody has an idea for a board game, they don't have to shop at the publishers and hope that somebody picks it up. They can just kickstart it. 
and it's through. Yeah. So that's I think, a good point. I think that you would still have craft breweries. Um, it might be it might have been a lot slower because you look at those industries. You're not getting independent uh, computer games or, or video games that, that you can play in your console until uh, the early 2000s. You're not getting um, more craft board games until the late 90s when basically Silas of Catan comes onto the scene. So it might have happened a little bit later, but I think we'd still have a craft brewery industry because homebrewing is something that people have been doing forever. Right. Um, it's funny. Like, I feel like homebrewing is kind of a, a trendy thing with our generation right now. Uh, but like I was talking to my boss about it. My boss is 20 years, my elder. And she's like, yeah, we used to homebrew all the time. Like back in the seventies. Yeah. So. I think it's something that a lot of people did once or twice. Mm-hmm. Um, across a lot of generations. Uh, well, I guess the question is if, you know, if, Budweiser even had taken the initiative, there would still be this uh, industry. Same with, like, independent games. You make a good analogy there. Mm -hmm. And, like, independent game designers still existing and thriving in um, through things like Steam and better distribution networks and stuff. So what is it that makes it impossible for a company like Budweiser or mm-hmm. EA or Milton Bradley to be able to, they they kind of stagnate and are, right. it seems like it's hard for them to satiate the when there is a demand for settlers of Catan right. they're like these companies never seem to have their finger on the pulse and that's the point is it just too much money in research and development they don't want to spend it's it's a, just a giant freaking ship dude you, you can't turn it I mean, it's a giant ship that you can't turn, and these smaller companies are much more agile. They're much more ah. they have much better ability to change to the market and also cater to niche fans. Budweiser doesn't care about me as a craft beer drinker because they yeah. know when I go to a Super Bowl party at my friend's house, there's going to be Bud Light in the fridge, and that's what they, they care about. They, they do care though, and because they put out brands like American Ale, right. and they put out this like. Brewer specialty thing, and they they try to get in the craft beer market, and they're especially caring now because uh, their uh, business model is not mm-hmm. succeeding in the way that craft brewing is right now. Well, like craft brewing's ex- exploding, and yeah. uh, the macro market is kind of stagnant at best. Well, if you look at it from a percentage basis, craft brewing is really taking a huge step forward. You know, this is a this is an industry that's doubling or tripling its size every few, every few years. But Budweiser can't double or triple its size every few years. Basically, right. they still have that 95% of they're still in that 95% tile market share. So, yeah, they're going to try new stuff and yes, they came out with the Budweiser American Ale. I actually bought that when it came out cuz I was like, "Oh, it looks like Budweiser's doing craft beer. I want to try it." Didn't love it, but uh <laughs> but if you look at the, the marketing dollars that they're putting behind that and the marketing dollars that they're putting behind Bud Light Lime. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> you know, it's like they're they're basically catering to the lowest common denominator. Unfortunately for us, that lowest common denominator is a pretty large group of people. So yeah. uh, Limerita fans. Limerita fans, baby. Can't can't knock them. I'm, I'm about to kick back Limerita right now. Uh, oh yeah, did John O'Brien send you a six pack <laughs> yeah. of it that you're going to drink all by yourself and not share with your podcast buddy of three years? <laughs> Person uh, who helped you get here? Yep, yeah, that's pretty much huh. my plan. Um, wow, wow. <laughs> but wow. Uh, 
but yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like basically, they're this giant ship, and they're just cruising along. They're always going to have that that percentile because you're always going to have that dude who with his RV going out with his bros, and he's only he's picking up the cheapest beer he can get at the. Why at does the he have an mark. RV? Because man, our bros love RVs. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah, I'm just I'm just imagining like Myrtle Beach mullet tank top. Oh, and they all have RVs, huh? Yep. Everybody, they, they race them. They're like four wheel at RVs. Ooh, now that's good entertainment. That is brought uh, to you by uh, Grupo Modelo. And unfortunately, like that's the part of it that I think makes me weary. And like you, you said this earlier about the craft beer industry, is that uh, I think they're they're going to get saturated at some point, and we're waiting for that saturation point to hit right. because you know, yes, they're making up six percent of overall beer sales in America. But where do you get to that point where you can't sustain yeah. that anymore? That's an interesting question. Is it going to be 25%? Right. Is it going to be 12%? Is it going to be 8%? Right. When does it cap and when have you saturated the market too much that nobody can make a profit? Right. Yeah. yeah. That's when times are going to get lean. Just like in the early 90s, there mm-hmm. was this uh, craft beer bubble that burst and a lot of breweries went tits up. But mm-hmm. They also weren't necessarily making the best beers. So, yeah. I mean, it's competition is good for. Uh, business and it's weird when one company like uh, AB InBev just goes around and gobbles everything up because it just it, you want them to be competing against each other even when it comes <laughs> no. to like I mean that's that's the point where it'd be interesting to see what AB InBev does uh, in the future because you've already got Coors and Miller made by the same company and right. now you've got Anheuser Busch uh, is owned by a, a company that. The, does large European tr- distribution is now doing large Latin American distribution, which means that uh, where do they go next? Are they going to start snatching up Sam Adams? Are they going to start well, snatching that's up a Sierra question, Nevada? It's, for a second, people were wondering if the Supreme Court would allow this merger. Mm-hmm. Or maybe this was AB and Bev. It, it seems like if they did try to get uh, Miller Coors, then uh, it would be like a monopoly. Yeah. That, that would, would I think that would be a monopoly, up. technically. Technically, I don't I don't know the law. <laughs> well, if I I played a few games of Monopoly, so I think I know a thing or two about monopolies. <laughs> Never actually finished one, but I have played them. But um, the thing is, I mean, Budweiser bought. Uh, they have a large share in Red Hook. They bought Goose Island outright. Mm-hmm. You know, they yep. might put their sights on a Sierra Nevada or a Stone, one of these yep. established Red nationwide Hook. companies. A Red Hook, a Deschutes. Oh, shit. Oh, man, that'd be sad. No, I don't think they'll do Deschutes because you can't even get Deschutes in Massachusetts. That's why I'm sending Deschutes Twilight Ale to Massachusetts. Nice. Um, yeah, more. I, I enjoy this kind of stuff. So thank you for bringing. I'm gonna more have to get in on this uh, personal arrogance spirit shit. Yeah, dude. He, he messaged both of us on Facebook. I'm the one. Who oh, I didn't back. see that. Yeah, hit him up. Hit him down. I will. I do. I got. I got something special in mind for him. Yeah, I, you, uh, I'll get to this later. But I had one of the best beers of my life the other night. I think you, you're gonna hook him up a lot better than I could. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, I have a giant bottle of a uh, double bastard. I have a gotten into oh yet. yeah that's true i forgot about that the bachelor party i think bastard. i might save this for packs because it's like i can't drink this <laughs> that's <laughs> way too much beer i can't even drink this <laughs> uh no you can't uh for the people at home basically jesse got one of those giant like display bottles <laughs> <of> double <laughs> bastard how many ounces is it 
Uh, I I'm not sure from here, but it's probably like a gallon and a half. Yeah, it's big. It's basically like one of those oversized bottles you'd see in like the Great Gatsby of champagne or something. Yeah, and it's got a lock and key on the top, which I think is cool. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Just for reference, at the beginning of this, we were talking about the three hottest babes. This goes to Jay, who sent us an email. <laughs> you guys have a good podcast, but I would suggest more entertaining talk and less beer talk. What about the, your top three <laughs> list for hot babes? <laughs> I'm sorry, Jay. I, I'm very happy that you like your podcast, but I really don't think that's the type of podcast we do. Yeah. Um, one, for one, I'm not a big fan of objectifying women in general. Yep. Two, I don't feel that it's necessary to rank, uh, three <laughs> women who would never give me the time of day anyway. Jesse, so. you're assuming that you can't put your wife on here and my wife happens to listen every week. So lady, you would be all three. Well, no, what I'm saying is that my wife doesn't give me the time of day. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, Jay, thank you for your email. I appreciate it. And if you want entertainment talk, now's the time for it. Because guess what, guys? My topic this week is going to be movies. Do you know what nemesis means? We had a big week. uh, And... It was it's Comic Con week. And Comic Con week is always big. But for some reason, dude, they decided to make two thousand fifteen like the biggest year for geek movies ever. And I think we've been building to this for a while, you know. Spider Man came out in two thousand two and that basically reformed all of pop culture. And that was the groundwork was laid for that in the X Men movie that came out uh, before Spider Man. But that laid out the ground groundwork for this this climate that we're in right now. Um and you know we're talking about the oversaturation of of a market, and I I want to explore that a little bit because 2015 is looking insane from a movie perspective. So uh, we already know that we're getting Star Wars from 2015. We all also already know that we're getting the Avengers at Comic Con. Joss Whedon uh, he he announced that the the name of the next Avengers movie is going to be. Avengers Age of Ultron. So Ultron's going to be the um, villain um, in in the next Avengers movie. So that was a big deal. And and Ultron is, you know, he's an artificial intelligence. He's had been many, he's had many incarnations over the years and he's fought against the Avengers multiple times in the comic book. So, uh, so that's, that's kind of the, the only surprise there is everybody thought Thanos would be the villain in the new Avengers movie, but it, it's looking like Ultron, at least from the title of the movie. Um, but then the big it could news... could be a misleading title. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, but the big news, uh, probably the biggest news that came out, is that Zack Snyder announced that the next Superman movie is going to also include Batman. So you're right. going to have Superman next to Batman. David Goyer, who is uh, who wrote... Um, the uh, Superman Man of Steel uh, is also writing this new movie. He also leaked that the the name of the movie is either going to be Batman versus Superman or Superman versus Batman. So, <laughs> wow, yeah. So you're it should be if it's a Superman movie, uh huh. It should be Superman versus Batman, right? Yeah, but Batman versus Superman sounds better, in my opinion. Superman, Batman versus versus. 
versus Superman. Super. No, I don't like the two S's next to each other. Yeah. It reminds me of the Nazis. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's Captain America. Um, but uh, but this is a, this is like huge news because we've all been wondering how Batman's going to get back on the screen after the uh, Dark Knight trilogy. You know, there's been so much that went into that trilogy. It's had such a big fan response. It's the highest grossing superhero trilogy of all time. Um, I think the trilogy itself is, is gross over $2 billion. Um, so uh, we all wondered how Batman would get back on the screen and when. And they look like they're just ready to throw him back on the screen. <laughs> um, and, and reinvent him at the same time. I don't I don't hate this idea at all. I'm really excited to see Batman on the screen. In fact, if you go back a couple of podcasts when I gave my Superman Man of Steel review, uh, all I could really think of when I watched Man of Steel was how well they set this up for Batman to come into this story. You know, there's the mass destruction, spoiler, there's a mass destruction of, <laughs> uh, of Metropolis at the end of the movie. Um, mil- like tens of thousands of people dead. Uh, there's also uh, Superman kills Zod at the end. This really sets up a, a Batman to step into this universe as the moral compass uh, to this all-powerful being. So uh, I, I'm really excited about it. And uh, I, I'm, I'm really stoked to see Batman on the screen again. And I'm ready for a reinvention of Batman. Because frankly, I can't take this dark, realistic Batman anymore. I want a real superhero Batman. Um, and I think this is the opportunity to bring him into that world. Yeah, this is something I've been clamoring for mm-hmm. for a while, mm-hmm. which is more crossover in the superheroes. Mm-hmm. Um like I said, I, I was a big fan of like uh, Ultimate uh, Hulk versus Wolverine, the comic book. Oh, yeah. and it's just fun when you get these guys matched up against each other. And that's what nerds want. I mean, most of nerd conversation is like taking these characters and putting them in hypothetical situations and then arguing over who would be superior. Yep. <laughs> so that's, I mean, that's a lot of fun to see these like. It's when, you know, the unstoppable force meets the immovable object. Also, that was a great superhero movie. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and and there's, there's, uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk about this. There was actually, before before the the Superman Returns movie came out, they were planning a Batman versus Superman movie, uh, which involved a plot of Lex Luthor... Uh, and the Joker were both involved as well. Then Batman and Superman fought against each other. They were together at the beginning and fought against each other and then came together at the end to defeat the enemy. Um, Mm -hmm. One thing that I love about Batman that I think this might leave out is his awesome cadre of supervillains. I mean, Batman has the best villains. Um, Right. The rogues gallery, as it were. Yeah, I mean, he's got the best one. Um and uh, and that might be left out in this movie. I don't know. At the same time, you could have Lex Luthor, and Lex been this has been done in the comics so many times, and and in the movies they always try to funnel these into their own funnel. But you could have Lex Luthor, and you could have the Joker in there. Um, yeah. Also, you don't need to have a Batman origin story. This is another thing people are concerned about: is oh, this is going to be in the origin story. You don't need a Batman origin story. You can hint toward it. We know that they can do flashbacks from the Superman movie, which is like half flashbacks. Uh, you could do a flashback to you know uh, Bruce Wayne's parents dying, 
But you don't need a Batman origin story. The other thing that I'm really excited about in this is that Batman can finally be the superhero Batman, the Justice League Batman, which is far from the Batman that we saw in the Dark Knight universe. Right. Um, you know, somebody who actually has the wits, the intelligence, and the strategy to hang with gods. Uh, who should uh, – yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean he is – he's a human, but he's – realistically, he's superhuman. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's uh, – Who do you think should play this uh, new superhero Batman? That is the question. Um, I say George Clooney. <laughs> Never been back. done before. I would love to see him in that role. Uh, <laughs> th- you know, that's the question. And I feel like Christian Bale kind of ruined it for people because a lot of people are like, oh, who should the next Batman be? And they're basically just uh, treating this like a bunch of dudes who look and act like Christian Bale. Um, mm. And I want somebody who's yeah. more badass. How about that blonde guy from uh, X-Men First Class and also from uh- – uh, Prometheus. Yeah, um, uh, Michael Fassbender. That's I one think of the we're ready bit- for it. We got a blonde uh, Daniel Craig. How about a blonde <laughs> Batman? You mean a blonde James I mean, Bond? Blonde Double Seven. Um, yeah. I How mean, about Daniel Craig as Batman? That is exactly what I would want. Honestly, I mean Daniel Craig can't do it. I don't think because he is. James Bond, but screw it, dude. J.J. Abrams is doing Star Trek and Star Wars, so get off my back. <laughs> yeah. I think it's that... Like, let's just work them all into one's plot, like yeah. uh, Patton Oswalt exactly. suggested. It's the Grupo Modelo AB InBev uh, Sing Tao of, of movies. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I, but I would love to see that, because basically when Daniel Craig became James Bond, James Bond changed uh, dramatically. He, he mm-hmm. went from this suave dude uh, who's, like, super skilled and outsmarts people to just a dude who kicks ass. And that's what I want from Batman. Um, I want somebody who's going to go in there who can realistically kick ass. Um, there's been talk. Idris Elba is, is a name that's been floating around. He was just in Pacific Rim. Um, he's also been floated around for the next James Bond as a possible next James Bond, which would be cool. Um, he is... Uh, he's black. He's he's British. He's a black British guy, um, and I think that could be a cool turn for the series as well. Um, he's also just intimidating and awesome. So uh, so there's that. Um, but yeah, like Daniel Craig, I think would actually be a really cool choice. What I want about somebody... Matt Damon. <laughs> what about Ben Affleck? I feel like those are like the pretty boys that would be in the '90s Batman movies. <laughs> You need you know? to go as uh, Ben Affleck as Batman to 90s night. You're doing an alternate <laughs> ni- universe 90s Batman. Batman with a goatee. <laughs> oh, gross. Yeah. That's a bat look. That is a bat. That's a bat look. That's a bat look. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, but that's what I want. I want more of a bruiser type of dude. I, honestly, like, I think Channing Tatum might be a cool choice if you're going for somebody who's younger. Like Channing Tatum about, is, is a dude who um, could probably come in and kick some ass, and also be witty and uh, be a little bit of a dick, which is what Superman or what Batman is. Batman's kind of a dick. What about um, Matthew McConaughey? I thought that's what you meant when you said that, Damon. That's the guy that popped into my head, and I'm like, no, thank you. <laughs> um, He's got yeah, T-Rex he has arms. a way of popping into your head. He does. Um, he does. The Batman that I like, I like Batman from Kingdom Come. 
Uh-huh. Which is, like, basically all the superheroes get old, and there's yep. all these, like, old guy superheroes from the Golden Age, and then there's also, like, the young crop. I want, like, an old Batman, like, sort of grizzled and uh, uh-huh. putting up with less shit and a little snarkier. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm with you. Ford is. Well, I, I love the idea of old dudes being action heroes. Um, mm-hmm. Look at Mel Gibson. <laughs> Mel Gibson would make a great Batman. He would. Oh, the comeback story of a lifetime. Yeah, for, you got to have a guy who can play against Henry Cavill, though, and Henry Cavill isn't an old guy. So, well. I don't know. I mean, people have been floating down. There's, like, Ryan Gosling. There's Bradley Cooper. Oh, yes. Uh, which are basically two Christian Bale clones. Um, <laughs> Michael Fassbender has been floated around. Um, what about um, the guy from Portlandia? <laughs> yeah, just go straight weird with it. Yeah, go put it, put a bird on it. Just go Robin. straight weird. Um, <laughs> another guy, his name is uh, Wes Bentley. He's been a guy who's been trying to be Batman for quite a while. And he was in, like, the Hunger Games and stuff. Yeah, well, here's... I mean, that's a good question. Like, does it need to be an A-lister or, you know, a B-list celebrity? You know, uh, Henry Cavill, he'd been... He did the Immortals, but he wasn't, like, an A-list guy. And he played... He was a great Superman. Um, Um, Yeah. What about the uh, the guy from the 300? Yeah, that's that's what I'm talking about. Um, God, what's his name? Uh, it'll come to me, but that's what I'm talking about. I want somebody Gerard Butler. That's uh, like a dude who's like strong. Like I feel like Russell Crowe could have been a cool Batman in like the late '90s. Mm. I want a dude who like when you oh, turns out Superman's dad from Krypton yeah, is Batman. Exactly. There's the plot <laughs> twist. No, I think Gerard Butler would be a badass Batman. I want somebody who's going to fill out the bat suit and look cool. Right. Uh, you know, who, I, who do you think filled it out best? Well, I think I do think Christian Bale's the best Batman. I know people who are older will always say Michael Keaton was the best Batman, but come on, guys, it's Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton's a weirdo. Uh, but you got you got Michael but Keaton. Michael you got Sarah. Yeah, Michael Sarah would be a great Batman. <laughs> uh, you got uh, you got Michael Keaton. You got Val Kilmer. You got George Clooney, and you got Christian Bale. That's basically your modern Batman. Uh, <laughs> but that's what I'm talking about. Like, get some dude like Gerard Butler. To fill out the suit, get some dude like an Idris Elba who can who can be awesome in that role. Get somebody who's going to be intimidating. Uh, who like Christian Bale was never really intimidating. He had that like that weird voice, uh, which was which was sort of intimidating. But like, I want some dude who can physically uh, intimidate somebody as Batman. Yeah, he got a lot of uh, at least in my opinion a lot of residual intimidation from American Psycho. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that carried over for me, at least, as a viewer. Give me some hot wings. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what I want. I'm, I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Daniel Craig as my as my number one choice. That might be a little too weird, but the and, and the other part about it is you pretty much have to have a British actor because all American superheroes are now British actors. <laughs> Batman. <laughs> yeah, was, I, don't, I don't know how I feel about that. Batman was a British actor. Christian Bale. Uh, Henry he Cavill. British? Yeah, he's British. That's the weird thing about Christian Bale is like when he's doing interviews for movies where he has an American accent, he'll have an American accent in the in the interview. Yeah, uh, but he's originally from Wales, I think. He's oh, from the weird. British Isles. Yeah, 
And then, that explains uh, why he did that uh, crappy dragon movie with the aforementioned Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Was that Reign of Fire or something like that? Yeah, it was Reign of Fire. Um, and then, like, yeah, Henry Cavill, he's British, he's Superman. And then you got Andrew Garfield, who's British, and he's Spider-Man. So, Weird. Get off my back. I don't like this. <laughs> I don't like this uh, English invasion. Yeah. Well, let us know who you think the next Batman should be. Give us a, an email, personalarguments at gmail.com, or give us a call, leave us a voicemail at 360-362-0024. Um, all right, Jessica, let's move on to some trivia. What do you say? Let's take a break, but first I do want to tease. We're going to have an upcoming uh, fancy football league. Yeah. So we're going to have more info on this next week. Um, yeah. But we want to let you know that uh, – the league is made. Uh, we're going to have uh, 18 teams. It's going to be a big league. It's going to be a really strategic league. The teams are going to be small. The league is going to be big. So there's going to be a lot of trades. There's going to be a lot of very strategic drafting. I think it's going to be super fun. I'm the commissioner, so I am like really trying to, to tune this to be the most people uh, participating as possible and the most fun that it can be. I'm really, really stoked. we got a lot of cool things happening. I'm inviting the... All of the Bald Move hosts to be a part of it. So we're filling out that roster first. Um, I know I'm in. I know Jesse's in. I know Aaron's in. We're trying to get somebody from the Because Show, and we're trying to get somebody from up yours downstairs on there. And we're trying to get Mad Brew as well. So no Very promises, exciting. but it's basically going to be the hosts and the listeners all squaring off against each other. It's going to be super fun. Not to mention the draft is going to be happening the night before PAX. And that night, Aaron is going to be spending the night in my apartment, which means we're going to live stream the draft with Aaron, with Eric, and hopefully with Jesse. Yeah, I'm I'm not 100 percent sure because I yeah. I'm I'm flying back in that night. Yeah, and uh, I'm I'm still on the fence if I'm going back to Port Townsend that night or staying in Seattle. Well, regardless, it's going to be a super super fun thing. We'll have more details next week, and we'll have the signups next week uh, for the listeners. So keep your ears peeled for that. Jesse, did you have any other info for that? Uh, no, I was just wondering if you understood if if you got the reference on my. Uh, I didn't. So my your team name, your snake, snake pigskin. Uh huh. It's a little deep, but fans of Kurt Russell's Escape from New York will oh, understand. Oh, I like it. Also, we should watch that uh, <laughs> after the draft. Also, yes. Uh, and then my, my name is the Mighty Sperm Wall. Yeah, that's Walkless. really good. I got to chuckle at that. I'm very excited about it. So anyway, uh, we also have two leagues. We have the little tiny Matt Roloff League, and we have the little tiny Tyrion Lannister League. Which I ended up in. <laughs> I know. I think it's kind of awesome. Um, so anyway, uh, more details next week. Signups will be happening next week. So keep your ears peeled. We'll have more info on next week's podcast, but, uh, yeah. Fa- Personal arrogance, ball move, fantasy football league. Get ready for the season, bros. It's happening. And ladies, bros. get your RVs out, bros. First come first serve. All right, let's uh, roll a little tiny six sided die to see which trivia category we'll be doing this week in world domination. I rolled a one. That means a Australia. Oh, are we doing this? We're doing it, buddy. Okay. All right, Jesse, this question's for you. Which Australian movie is reputedly based on the Anita Cobby murder? See, I don't I don't know. I'll just say Gallipoli. I'll say uh, uh, Moulin Rouge. <laughs> the Boys. Oh, The Boys. This question's for me. What, sh- 
<laughs> These questions are so hard. What's Shane Warren's middle name? No, we already had this one. Oh, okay. Do you remember it? No. It's like Bruce or something, it's, Australian. It's Keith. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty Australian. Okay. Uh, what is the largest lake in New Zealand? Oh, this one's for me. Lake Auckland, I'm going to say. Uh, I, I, I'll i just say the Tasman Sea. <laughs> lake Taupo. I thought it was Lake of the Rings. Jesse, this question's for you. Which wow. group declared they were all out of love in 1980? Uh, ACDC. Uh, I'm going to say Keith Urban. Air Supply. Are they from Australia? I guess so. Here we go. Discussion for me. Which justice of the high court died while awaiting <laughs> retrial for the allegedly pervert for allegedly perverting the course of justice? Well, uh, I think everybody knows that this is uh, <laughs> Chief uh, Chief uh, Crocodile Dundo. Wow. Um. I would give you points for naming any yeah. anyone who served in that position. Right. So I'll just say Shane Keith Warren. It's uh, Lionel Murphy. Uh, pretty obvious. Yeah. All right, Jesse. This means we get what the a Lionel Richie ripoff. We get the American tiebreaker. Here we go. <laughs> you, you get to answer first. Okay. Uh, these questions are so much easier. Uh, <laughs> which train service was at the center of a famous Agatha Christie story? Orient Express. I'm going to go with the the uh, Intercontinental Railroad. It's the Orient Express. You got it, buddy. All right, I got the Christie for the win. I think you would have got this uh, Australian one too. Which Australian antihero was born at Beveridge, Victoria? <laughs> uh, would that be Ned Kelly? That would be Ned Kelly. What do you know? Sometime we're going to play this game. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, anyway, during the draft, during the uh, after the draft, when right. we're watching Escape from New York, yeah, we'll play World Domination. Jesse, you win everything this week. So, what's your psycho topo? <clears throat> uh, well, I want to talk about something that uh, Jim Jones accused us accused us of talking a lot about, which uh -huh. is animals. Animals. Um. So, <laughs> a new <laughs> a new species of shrew has Excellent. been discovered. L love it and. They're calling it uh, Thor's Hero Shrew. Has it been tamed? Uh, <laughs> you'd have to ask the bard. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, it's Scudisaurex Thori, named after the uh, god of strength. And what's interesting about this one is it has an interlocking spine that makes it super strong. Interlocking spine? Yeah. So uh, according to – this is – this is from NationalGeographic.com. Most mammals, including us, have about five vertebrae at the base of their backbones with a few bony projections. Uh, but the first known hero shrew mm -hmm. uh, has 10 to 11 vertebrae with many more bony projections that lock together, giving it unparalleled power in the animal kingdom. <laughs> I don't understand how having an interlocking spine gives you power. Um, because instead of having like a bunch of little vertebrae, you basically have a steel rod for a, for okay. a back. Well, my sister had scoliosis surgery. She, her back was literally a steel rod. She didn't have any added power from it. That you know of. <laughs> I know that she couldn't touch her eye to her knee. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. Um, so 
I, I guess they found this is they found a new species of it, and there's a different hero shrew that was discovered in the early 1900s. And mm-hmm. apparently, uh, this these are being found in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Uh huh. Um, in the early 1900s, when they found one, a man stood on the back of the hero shrew for five minutes, stepped off it, and the animal walked away unharmed. Oh, so they could be stepped on. Yeah, you could. Uh, yeah, that makes exactly. sense. That makes a lot yeah. of sense, especially in places like the Congo, where you got like giant like gorillas and stuff. <laughs> yeah, gorillas don't really watch where they're walking. No, but they're they're saying uh, they think that it'll give them strength when they're like trying to pry bark off of trees and stuff. They huh. say um, insects live <laughs> under the parts of palm trees where the leaves have broken off, leaving a hardened base that looks like a scar. It's possible that. The shrew may use their powerful backbones to pry off leaf bases from the trunk to get to the tasty grubs underneath. Yum, yum. However, Stanley cautioned, no one has actually seen the shrew do this. <laughs> it's probably the shrew. I want to I revisit um, the part where the guy, st- <laughs> the guy stands on the back of one. I know, me too. I want to try it. early 1900s. Who uh, checked this out? Hey I'm guys. standing on it with all my weight. Look, I, I'm gonna all right, count five minutes. I'm gonna do it for five <laughs> minutes, and then we'll see. I'm performing an experiment, 1900 style. Guys, uh, they say that the the you did, you local population. On, you the, step on it, it just like crumbles. <laughs> Whoops! Damn it! That's how you killed the last Tasmanian tiger, Steve. <laughs> I thought well, it had a stronger back. It had all those stripes. Uh, intern, uh, write this down. Did not pass the stand test. <laughs> <laughs> I stood on it and died. Yeah, moving on to the tortoises. <laughs> Let's see how uh, you fare. Yeah. Uh, I'm soft I guess the local uh, population uh, wear the shrew's pelts uh, because, according to this... They believe the animal's resilience re- renders them in – well, this says invisible, but I'm uh-huh. guessing they mean to say invincible to spears and bullets. Or invisible. I'm not sure they actually believe that. How big is this thing? Pretty small. It's that's, a little shrew. That's what I'm wondering. Like, First of all, how can you wear a pelt of a shrew? Well, I think you just uh, you know, ornamentally uh, – Accessorize with a shrew pelt. Okay. Second of all, how do you stand on a shrew's back <laughs> and not crush its skull? Because I don't care how strong the the spine is, but that skull has got to be more fragile than a spine. Um. Well, obviously the head was sticking out. Jesse, can you get me one of these things? I want to try this. Yeah, it's a great party trick. It is. Uh, the ribs are also m- much thicker. Than those of similarly sized animals and spinal muscles have undergone some radical changes. Jesus, this is like the weirdest thing. I I think the main thing here is like, have you ever stepped on a bug and then you you let up and then the bug just like walks away? Oh yeah, like that's basically what this thing is. I think basically it was in an environment where you had giant like I'm pretty sure there are like rhinoceroses are probably native to that area as well. And it got stepped on a lot, so it just evolved into being super strong. So people could, so it could be stepped on. Yeah, that poor shrew. Basically, the colonists should have put this thing on the "Don't Tread on Me" flag. 
<laughs> no, but that would be do tread on me. I don't mind. Yeah, I really don't care. I'm... That was the oppositions. <laughs> that, that was the. Uh... Oh man, what did you call this? Uh, the pro-British early Americans. I don't know. Are they the Whigs or something? I... Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, that that should be like the anti-tea party people. The true, the, the hero shrew party. You do tread on me. me. I don't care. I don't. I don't really mind. Yeah. I got strong back. I made for it. Get off, my, get off my back. Get off, get off my back or don't. I'm a hero shrew. <laughs> I think this should be our, this should be like the official animal. Right, well, we got the sperm whale. Yeah. Uh, but uh, this is going to be close to being the official animal of the Personal Arguments Podcast. <laughs> yeah, house, the other house animal. Right. House arrogant. Uh Get off my back, dot, 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 because it's getting late, please. <laughs> I, have pl- I have places to be. <laughs> it's been five oh, minutes. I love it. Yeah, just a hero sure riding a sperm whale, eating a, eating a giant squid. Yeah, well, actually, um, I, I, ne- I didn't actually uh, proceed down this, but uh, uh-huh. apparently they linked to another article that says uh, moles and shrews can smell prey while underwater. So they might be the perfect, uh, the perfect ally to the sperm whale. Absolutely. And they can be stepped on by the giant squid. <laughs> yeah, they do a lot of stepping. Right. It's but like they're a, pervious to tentacle grip. That's true. It's getting late. <laughs> well, uh, then we should move on to uh, your second. <laughs> I, I love this shrew, dude. I love this hero shrew. Um, and I like that they named the new one Thor's hero shrew. It's yeah, exactly. Seven. It's a tie-in to the next Avengers movie. Yeah. Uh, so my Psycho Topo this week is uh, this new board game that's coming out. Uh, they just did an article on it on Plaid Hat or on uh, on Polygon dot com. The reason being, you know, Polygon is a is a video game website, but they uh, they did an article on this new game that's coming out uh, based on Bioshock Infinite. Bioshock Infinite, the board game. Um, I also heard about this on the, the Dice Tower podcast because uh, one of the hosts there had played it at a recent convention, uh, one of the prototypes, because uh, it's not quite out yet. Uh, but uh, from all accounts, it's gotten really w- rave reviews, uh, and it, it's following in the footsteps of some games that are thematically tied to popular properties but are also pretty solid games in their own right. Uh, talking, of course, about like Battle- Battlestar Galactica, the board game. Right. Um, I actually just picked up Spartacus, the board game. Uh, I haven't been able to crack it yet, but all of the reviews that I've heard uh, say it's it's actually a really good board game. It's based off Spartacus, uh, the Showtime series. Huh. So um, you know this is coming off that kind of that kind of kick. Um, also, Plat Hat Games is a really cool. We were talking about we were talking earlier about game companies that have kind of come up and been able to develop their own games and bring their own ideas to the table, uh, quite literally. And uh, good stuff. Yeah, and uh, and th- Plat Hat is one of those games that has done. It's only been around for a few years, but now they have this major property in Bioshock Infinite, and uh, by all accounts, have, have made a really solid game out of it. I'm excited to play this game. I, I hope to play it soon. Um, but it got me thinking. You know, this isn't the first video game based board game that's been created. Of course, you have Star Starcraft, the board game which you've played. Yeah. What, what What's your opinion of that game? Not great. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think the overarching opinion was that it didn't really encapsulate the game of StarCraft at all. Yeah, it was very. It was. There's no like battles. Uh-huh. Uh huh. There's no battlefield. It was. 
uh, strategic, whereas I think people wanted it to be tactical. Yeah, that makes more sense. And then there's also Arkham City Escape, which is uh, which came out, uh, I think, earlier this year, based on the Arkham City uh, video game. Uh, it's an area control game. It only is a six point five on Board Game Geek, so it's not. It hasn't gotten super high reviews either. There's um, also Civilization, the board game, yep. which I've heard good things about, yeah, but I've, I've never actually games. played it. Absolutely. So yeah, this isn't the first game uh, that's done that, but I think this, pr- first of all, presents a very unique challenge in building a board game off of a video game because you're going to try to get that same feel from the video game, but you can't just copy the same mechanics because you have two very different things happening here. Uh, but I just kind of wanted to open the floor a little bit and see, are there any video games out there that you think could be cool ports to board games? Um, I, I have a couple just to start off. Uh you know, I'm my, our favorite game, or my I know my at least my favorite game, and this is one of your favorite games at the very least, is Arkham Horror. Uh, a great game that's basically a video game in itself. Um, it, you're playing against the board. Um, you are basically exploring these, these different places. You're killing monsters. You're going into different dimensions. But it's all taking place on a board. It's really, really cool. I think this lends itself to other things, and I would love to see an Arkham Arkham Horror style board game that's based off of like Skyrim or Red Dead Redemption or even something like Borderlands. Uh, that's really I, I would love to see something that's more quest based. So you can go to a place, get a quest, uh, you can decide whether or not to do that quest, and uh, and you go pursue it, and then basically instead of victory points, you're trying to you're trying to win experience points, and whoever gets the most experience points. Uh, or whoever gets to a certain total of experience points in a certain amount of time would win the game. I think something like that could be cool. Um, also, I was thinking something like Super Smash Brothers in a board game might be kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that could be fun. Keep it, like, fast-paced. And- Keep it fast-paced, and also, like, the reason why you want to play these games uh, is not only for, uh, hopefully, good game mechanics, but you also want to play with characters that you love. Right. And if you can build out a Ness or if you can build out a uh, a Jigglypuff or a Luigi uh, and use superpowers and battle against each other in a fast-paced, you know, probably card-based format, I think right. something like that could be really cool. Yeah, I think Super Smash Brothers is a good answer. That could be a lot of fun and yeah. there would be a bunch of variety because there's so many different characters. Yeah, absolutely. And you could also do things like float out – uh, more Nintendo characters, and you don't have to program them or anything. Um, and you could use it as kind of a testing ground for future iterations of, of Smash Brothers. Right. I'm pretty sure they got all of them into the last game, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, now they got the Animal Crossing guy in there. They got the Wii Fit lady. Yeah, when you're when you're scraping the drags with the Wii Fit host, yeah, I think you've pretty much uh, gotten all your gotten all your main characters in there. It's it's interesting to me because I, you know, they've done all this stuff with Sonic and Mario in the Olympic Games. It's kind of this franchise that they've done. Um, it's interesting that they haven't like incorporated at least Sonic and and Sonic's uh, in there. Oh, he is. Yeah, he was in Brawl. Oh well, I'm dumb. Yeah, they have Sonic. They have like Rob the Robot. They have uh, the Metal Gear Solid Snake. That's his name. Yeah. Yeah, they got a lot of stuff. After uh, after Sega basically went uh, tits up as a hardware developer, yeah, that happened. Uh, and then the final board game or video game that I'd love to see as a board game is Portal. I think that you could do something really cool from a puzzle perspective. 
um, in opening portals on different sides of the board and trying to make different things happen. I think that that could be something that could be really cool ported to a to a tabletop design. Um, more from yeah, a puzzle game perspective. I don't really have a good answer for that. Um, it's a little tough because, like, you know, we love Halo, but there's been Frag, the board game, which was put out by uh, <laughs> Steven Jackson, which is a pretty terrible love. game. Oh, it's so bad. Uh, I was I was talking to a guy um, who's, like, my coworker's roommate, and uh-huh. uh, he does, like, a game night at his place once a week. And he was complaining. He's like, yeah, we used to do Sellers of Catan, but now they've started bringing over this other game. I really don't like it. I was like, what game is it? He's like, Munchkin. I'm like, oh, oh sweet no. vindication. I'm so glad oh. that other people don't like Munchkin. is such a bad game, dude. It, like, it takes – the thing is, if it could be streamlined and then no. like more competitive, like head-to-head <laughs> action, it could be fun. But it's like no. it takes so goddamn long. Apparently, and you're just kind of sitting there, like, watching other people fight monsters. Yeah, and you're also, like, just trying to screw... Like, it's so much... It's basically the strategy for that game is to be in second place, because who's ever in first place is going to get screwed over by everyone else. Yeah, it's kind of the ultimate Kingmaker game. Um, apparently, there's a, a new uh, new game that's kind of... I've heard it described as as uh, uh, kind of the, the what, what Munchkin wish it could be. Um <laughs> And uh, it's called Epic Spells. Epic. <laughs> Sorry. It's hard to say. Epic Spell Wars, the Battle of Mount Skull's Fire. <laughs> What's hard about Epic Epic Skull's Wars, the Battle of Skull's Fire Mountain? Exactly. <laughs> epic Spells Wars, the Battle, the Battle of Skull. It's Epic. I'm sorry. No, the full title is Epic Spells War. I can't even read this. Epic Spell Wars of the Battle Wizards Duel at Mount Skull's Fire. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, it's put up by Cryptozoic. <laughs> Apparently it's got a very like adult theme. It's got um it's got artwork like something you'd see on Adult Swim. It's also a pretty cheap game. I think it's about twenty bucks. Um, nice. and I'm actually kinda thinking about picking this up. It looks like one of those easy to learn, fun to play games. Um, Dude, this packs this coming up PAX is going to be a yeah. uh, shopping trip for me in terms <laughs> of board games. I want to play. I want to try before I buy, yeah. and I want to pick up a couple of well, board games. I've got th- at least three board games sitting in my closet right now that I haven't even played yet that I want to play. I got Spartacus. I got Space Cadets, which I'm super, super excited about. Um, I did get to play Smash Up, and I really liked it. Um, and, and also, we got to play the advanced version of, of Flashpoint Fire Rescue. Yeah, there's a there's definitely a lot of yeah board gaming I want to do. I'm excited to have uh, the blue yonder folk Tote. over, totally. so we can discuss pee pee and poo poo uh, topics mm-hmm. and play board games. <laughs> yeah, and the final one I wanted to talk about just because we love it so much, I think it'd be cool if somebody could figure out a way to do a PAX board game, <laughs> like an adventure board game based around PAX. That's really funny. Like basically, you got to ring. Really off, funny. You got to ring off a bunch of stuff. You got to play a demo uh, uh, in the expo uh, hall. You got to go to a panel. You got to uh, take a picture with the cosplayer. You got to play a board game. You got to paint a miniature. <laughs> I don't it's know. It's got to be like um, it'd be like a map of the exhibition center. Yeah. And um, 
there has much like the monsters kind of randomly move around in Arkham Horror. Uh-huh. There has to be like the crowds just yeah. randomly yeah. getting in your way, and like you, you can't oh. go somewhere because of the crowd or like. No, it's all it, cue based. So like you have to pick the right moment to hit the right thing. But once you choose whatever thing you're doing, then there's like a way that that your cue accumulates. No, accumulates. Yeah, exactly. That's really funny. I like this a lot. We yeah. should we should try and uh, like play around with this idea. But well, it'd be once, cool if we what, could like yeah, once if we, we could get all it. the parts mm-hmm. and then like you just buy the pieces and then you open up yeah, your uh, exactly your the expo map. pamphlet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and because they released the expo hall map online before they, um, you know, like a few weeks before the convention. So if we can figure out the mechanics for this, then it could be a game that you could literally play with your packs, uh, with your packs program. Your swag bag could yeah. be like we just oh have God. to include the uh, the rule sheet. Yeah, and you can play with everything in your swag bag. Yeah, we'll have like a magic booster pack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like your magic. That's like the magic booster pack is somehow like yeah. counters or something. Yeah. Oh my God, dude, this this sounds cool. <laughs> now, I'm, now I'm stoked. Jeez. And I'm also uh, – I just finished uh, the first 66 card uh, card prototypes for my for my card game. So we also have the prototype of that to play. Very exciting. Very exciting. Board Dude, games, I'm so baby. pumped for, for packs. 35 days, bro. I'm going to Hawaii in the meantime. I know. And I, and now we got an apartment for packs. We got a packs apartment. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see uh see the Hex 19 guys. Me too, man. Little Canadian action happening. Mm-hmm. We All need right. to teach them the true meaning of a Canadian breakfast. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> oh god! Okay, uh, we'll leave that one to the mystery of the, of the listener. I agree. Um, all right. Well, uh, those are our topics, guys. Uh, Bald Move Network, get on there. Uh, like I said, we're in a lull for uh, for all of the TV show podcasts right now, but we're waiting for Breaking Bad to start back up. In the meantime, we got the Because Show, and we got Up Yours Downstairs on there, so be sure to go and check out baldmove.com. We're on there as well. Um, also want to let you know how you, can, how you can get in touch with us. You can send us an email, personalergans at gmail.com. Give us a call. Leave us a voicemail, 360-362-0024. You can uh, follow us on Twitter at Personal Podcast. We're also on Facebook. We're at the Bald Move Facebook, and we have our own Personal Arrogance Facebook uh, where we post our Facebook Roundup question every week. Uh, so be sure to get on those. Um, but uh, but the best thing you can do, tell a friend. Right now, it's summer season. Honestly, yeah, I'm feeling comfy right now. Um, I'm very happy, and it's, it's a great time to, to just kick back and, and listen to a podcast. Um, so tell a friend if you get a chance or if you're going on a road trip, go ahead and pop us in and hopefully your friend doesn't hate you for it. Uh, so in the meantime, I think it's time to do a little uh, little uh, Facebook roundup each week. We go on our Facebook page. We post a thread. Ask us what you want us to talk about on the show this week. Um, and if we don't hit it during the show, we talk about it at the end. This is the Facebook roundup. Um, so uh, here we go. First one, uh, we got a lot of international stuff this year. We got Ollie James, Sam Golomati, and also uh, our, our good friend Dennis Kleinbeck. So a lot of European action going on here. Ollie James, mm-hmm. really, really interesting stuff here. You know, we talked about the Geordies last week. Apparently there's a UK version of the Jersey Shore called the Geordie Shore. <laughs> Did you see this? I think the best possible thing that they could do – I didn't watch the clip, uh-huh. but I'm just assuming that the best thing they could do for that show is to get Jordy on it. 
It'd be a classic fish out of water. The crazy but thing, our good friend Jordy yeah, on the show. Yeah. The the crazy thing about this show is it literally is a one to one port of Jersey Shore. Except oh, yeah? everybody has like these uh, you know, like trashy British accents. Like it's Oh I get your pit mule out of me, Tallywag. <laughs> it's a, it's basically a bunch of like crazy muscle bound dudes and then a bunch of like uh, you know, over hairsprayed ladies. There's basically you can port one to one each of the Jersey Shore characters into the characters on this show. You're like, oh yeah, that's Polly D, uh, and uh-huh. all the way down to Snooky. Like there is the Snooky lady who, instead of having uh, you know a beehive of black hair, has a beehive of pink hair. But she's basically exactly Snooky. This is like a one to one reproduction of of the Jersey Shore. It's called the Jordy Shore, and it is well. Uh, look out, Bald Move Network. I know we got a new podcast coming. <laughs> This might be a little known fact, but actually the first TV show- podcast that uh, Gino yeah. and Aaron did was the Jersey Shore cast. That's true. Uh, Sam Golamati says, hey, guys, uh, so with Wolverine adding to this summer's list of blockbusters, my question is, what is your favorite film to watch at home and what is your favorite film to watch in the cinema? Mine's Black Hawk Down at Home and The Dark Knight uh, at the cinema. Uh, also, I was listening back to older casts and I heard you guys uh, like to point and click games, so I thought I'd recommend the Secret Files series. They are not the best games in the world, but they do keep you occupied for a few hours, which is, you know, honest. Yeah, and it's, a lot of times that's what you want. Uh, but in terms of movies, I like to see in the theater. Of course, in the theater, uh, Star Wars. When I get to see that in the theater in 1997, it blew my mind. Um, I also got to see uh, Back to the Future in the theater a couple of years ago. They were doing like a special screening, and that was super cool. Um, but uh, I, I really want to see Pacific Rim again as well. I think that's a movie you want to hit in the theater. Um, as far as home, uh, I also love to watch Back to the Future at home, <laughs> both places. Uh, and, of course, Attack the Block. I mean, that's one of my favorite movies of all time. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll pop that one in at home. What about you, J-Dog? Uh, I would say at home, probably Waterworld. Oh, yeah. I just I love that movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the theater... Jeez. Um, like, what's a movie that you just really want to see on the big screen? Escape from New York? A, what's a movie? <laughs> yeah. Well, that would be great. Yeah. Well, Escape from L.A. has such sweet graphics, though. <laughs> I don't know. Can I just say Waterworld for both? Yeah. I'm fine with okay, that. Okay. There you go. I said Back to the Future for both. Dennis Kleinback from Germany says, I would like to hear your take on the upcoming Superman Batman movie. Uh, who do you think uh, – what do you think of this project and who should play Bruce Wayne? I think we talked about that. No, uh, let's go for a second lap. I, I don't remember talking about that. Well, obviously, uh, Rob Schneider as Superman. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Rob Schneider is Rob Schneider Superman. Is, Rob Schneider is Superman. John Lovitz is Batman. Wow. I love it. <laughs> I'm Batman. That's my John Lovitz impression. Okay. <laughs> I'm Superman. <laughs> Wow, we maybe just us impersonating John Lovitz and Rob Schneider. Uh, uh, I got it. I think we got a YouTube series to start kickstarting. I think so. Derek Remain says, "Jesse, loving the song of Ice and Fire Talk. What took you so long? Can't wait for fantasy football. Uh, I've done sixteen teams, and it is not easy. But pumped for that. It's actually going to be eighteen teams, Derek. So put on your strategy hat. Like <laughs> trades are going to be fucking crazy in this league. So get ready. Um, and yeah, Jesse, what took you so long? Uh, I don't read much. Yep. Uh, let's just say uh, I, I haven't quite jumped on that boat yet. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I'm a, I'm 300 pages into this, so... I know. I actually took, like, 
I, I haven't read it since Saturday, so I took a little bit of a break, but I'm ready to get back in. Let's do it. Uh, Jessup Buddy Ego says, Pacific Rim was great. My favorite movie of the summer. I know it's hard to get to the movies when you have a baby, but Jesse, you have to see this one on the big screen. I want to. It will always remind me of what FDR said. Talk softly, but carry a big ship. Uh, want to get that joke? See the movie. <laughs> uh, I think I get the joke. I think I get the joke too. Uh, but I for sure it was speak softly, and I think it was Teddy Roosevelt, not FDR. Am I wrong? I, no, I think you're right. But fuck, our listeners are always right. So Josh Perigo, you are I'm pretty correct. sure it's Teddy Roosevelt. Josh, I love you, and thank you for uh, for continually calling in. Uh, Part of our New England contingent, Josh Perigo. We love those guys. Uh, Alan Wright and Jesse, please see this movie. If if it's still in the theater during PAX, we're going to have to go during PAX. Okay. It's, it's a I mean, damn good movie. Uh, I, I want to. Yeah. Alan I, Wright says – I need a grandma's assistance. <laughs> Alan Wright says, uh, a quick list of Seattle local beers I need to try while I'm here. Alan, you're in Seattle. Why don't you let us know? Yeah, what the hell? Listeners, uh, if you come to Seattle – Shoot us a line and we'll go have a beer with you. Or at least I will. Jesse's oh, in Port Townsend. But I'll yeah. go. If any listeners are in Port Townsend, yeah. let me know. Happy and to be I'll, uh, I'll definitely accommodate. Uh, so, of course, we got Twilight Summer Ale. That's not a Seattle beer. It's an Oregon beer. If you're looking straight at Seattle, I think that just your standby is like my standby Seattle beer because it's basically everywhere is Manny's. Um, uh, I don't like Manny's that much. I don't love I don't. It's not one of my favorite beers, but I, I think would, that it's there, a good thing on tap. Pike. I would go to the Pike Brewery. They yeah. they got a really nice uh, saison out right now. Their dry yeah. wit's always good. There's they have a good stout. I think it's like four X stout. Oh yeah, Kilt Lifter. Oh, I love those Kilt are always Lifter. good. There's love a couple good ones from Hales. I would try like El Jefe. I really like. Really, dude, you're um, pimping Hales. Eh, you know my. Uh, you're, you're, time time yeah. time heals all wounds. You you've, your oversaturation of that beer has has finally left. Yeah. Um, well, if I we're talking about Hills, drinking El Jefe. If we're talking about Hills, I love a good Super Goose. Yeah, Super Goose is becoming yeah. a good beer. Um, Inner Urban IPA from Fremont. Check out Fremont, definitely. Um, who else? I mean, there's so many. Oh, just go to Ballard have- and do the brewery tour. That's what we did for Jesse's bachelor party. You got Rubens. You got. Uh, you got uh, yeah, do Rubens yeah. for sure. They got a Hilliards. they got saison. Oh oh yeah, Rubens. I mean uh, Hilliards. Yeah, go to Hilliards. Uh, I really like Peddler's Pub. I know it's not Jesse's favorite. But I really like their beer there. No, Peddler's is cool. They're yeah. doing really good stuff. Super good stuff. Uh, you've also got Urban Family down there. You've got Northwest Peaks, which is kind of hit and miss. Um, and uh, and then of course, uh, right in that area, you got Maritime Pacific. You got uh, and then you can. Just head over toward Fremont, where you get Hales. You got Fremont Brewing Company. You got uh, uh, what's what's the Nor- Norse one? Uh, Odin. There's a ton right. of beer down there. So if you want to get down in that Ballard Fremont area, you can just literally spend two days at breweries, and you'll have a great time. Yeah. Um, also, definitely check out Elysian. Elysian has oh, a yeah. bunch of rotators, a ton yeah. of stuff. And uh, let's not leave out Epic Ales down in Soto. The, Hell yeah. Uh, well, I, it's want, worth checking out, especially if, yeah. you, if you have an adventurous palate, definitely don't shy away from Epic Ales. Yeah, if, they, if you want a beer that – if you never had a beer that's been brewed with sake, yeast, and mushrooms, then that's where you want to be because that's – I, I appreciate it. 
Uh, and then Roger Dotsie just uh, he wanted to say that he giggled like a schoolgirl when Jesse was so excited about Game of Thrones. This is how I feel when one of my buddies gets into something I've been recommending. Good work, son. Thank uh, you. Uh, yeah, very excited about it. Um, I'm, I, I was pretty happy that I ended up in the little tiny Tyrion Lannister League. I'm not going to lie. Well, you could be moved. I am the commish. But no. <laughs> We'll see how it goes. All right, guys. Well, uh, thanks for Facebooking us. Like I said, uh, please check out our Facebook page and, and join the conversation. We always love it when we get new people on here. Um, Jesse, I think it's time for some recommendations. Let's call this thing a cast. Uh, couldn't agree more. What's your first reco? Uh, my first recommendation is a movie that uh-huh. I uh, recently watched. Right. Is streaming on Netflix. It's called Escape from L.A. And <laughs> the reason you need to watch it, uh, one, is a John Carpenter movie. Right. Which, I mean, love his career. Two, Bruce Campbell's in it. So you got some ner- nerd points there. Yep. Um, and three, it takes place in the year 2013. Oh, hello. I ha- I had never watched it before and it it just like opens up it's like it, it has like this kind of like history thing of like what's happening to LA as a city cuz it like sinks into the ocean kind of and it becomes an island and it's like today 2013. <laughs> and for a second I was like I wouldn't put it past Netflix to like be continually updating that and like splicing yeah. it in the movie somehow, yeah. but it actually is uh takes place in 2013 and obviously it's a sequel to escape from new york but what makes it extra eerie is they keep referencing something they reference what he did in new york but they also reference like how amazing it was they survived cleveland oh and with like the whole cleveland kidnapper and the other like cleveland serial killer that's both come out and it's the year 2013 it's like strangely accurate well, yeah, but I, I really want to see Escape from Cleveland. It's a it's a it's it's a Seth MacFarlane uh, crossover. No, that's the new uh, Lifetime original movie based off the Cleveland oh, Three. Oh, geez, that one got real. But uh, but what's the guy's name? Escape is from it, L.A. Is the guy's name Snake in it? Yeah, his name is Snake no. Pliskin. Right, he's the he's the detective in the Lifetime movie. <laughs> uh, Kurt Russell, dust him off. Right. But that's hence my. Uh, Hence my fantasy football team, Snake Pigskin. I love it. Maybe love a little it. too deep. Uh, well, my first reco is also going to be on Netflix. Uh, it's it's actually a new Netflix original series called Orange is the New Black. Uh, I keep hearing that about this. It's really good. I guess good. I'm going to have to watch it. I really, really like it. It's uh, you know, weird thing about it is that it, it, it takes place in a prison. It's about uh, basically this uh, white-collar, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, Kind of yuppie, thirty-ish-year-old lady who basically gets Martha thrown in. No, well, not really. She gets thrown in prison uh, based on something she did a decade ago when she was like in her uh, right when she got out of college. Um, so, uh, and it was like uh, drug money. This isn't spoiling anything. It's like the first ten minutes. Um, so, anyway, she gets thrown in jail for fifteen months, and it's basically her experiences in jail. Um, it's actually based off the memoirs of somebody who was in this situation, um, and it's wow. written by uh, it's it's created by the guy who did the show Weeds. Um, I like it a lot better than Weeds. I think that Weeds gets kind of grating over time, and I don't know. I've only I'm only seven episodes in, so I don't know if it's if it's completely if it's going to get to that point where it's grating. But I really enjoy it, and the cool thing about it is uh, when I worked uh, in doing documentary production uh, in in an earlier life. 
uh, I I did a documentary that was based in a women's prison. And uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, so I got to I went to this women's prison like quite often um, during this documentary that, that I was working on, and. Uh, they get a lot of stuff really right in this, like <laughs> like the way things look. Um, I think that the, the the way that the the people look in the show, um, the the interactions with like the counselors and that sort of thing, the interactions that the inmates have with each other, it's really quite uh, quite reminiscent of of the time that I spent in a women's prison. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I remember you telling me that all anyone did was clean, yet it still smelled horrible. It smelled terrible. It smelled horrendous. And yeah, literally cleaning twenty four hours a day. And it just smelled like a it smelled like a daycare nursery. Like you know daycare nurseries like basically always smell a little bit like dirty diapers. That's, I've never actually been to a daycare center. Well, uh and everything's kind of sticky. Like that's basically what uh what women's prison is like. Wow, that's disgusting. But yeah, basically I mean they do a really good job of encapsulating and it's also a very very entertaining show. In fact, uh you know, uh, arrested development was what it was. Um but there was also House of Cards, which is a Netflix original series. This is easily my favorite Netflix original series. It's very engaging. Cool. And every time I finish a show, I want to watch another one. So Orange is the New Black. Cool. Uh, I'm got, definitely going to have to watch that. Yeah. Jesse, what's your recommendation? Uh, well, I teased it earlier. Yep. I'm going to recommend my number one hot babe of the week. Excellent. Just kidding. Uh, I'm going to recommend a beer. Uh-huh. If you're lucky enough to find a bottle of it, you have to pick it up. There's no excuse. Yep. It's uh, the Galaxy White IPA by Anchorage Brewing Company. Anchorage Brewing Company is a up-and-comer. Uh-huh. Uh, I think the head brewer left Deschutes. Oh, wow. Uh, not Deschutes. Left um, Alaskan Brewing Company uh-huh. to open this and start his own. He might have left Midnight Sun, actually. Anyway, but it's a white IPA, and then it's bottled with uh, Britannomyces, which uh-huh. is, like, my favorite thing. So it's bottle-conditioned. It's corked. And uh, it's just really good white IPA with a hint of spice and a pretty strong Brett character that's only going to evolve with time. I think about picking up a couple bottles just to sell her. Yeah. And uh, no excuse not to get this. Do Definitely. it. Definitely do it. Cool, man. Then my recommendation this week, it's a movie that's uh, just at the tail end of being in theaters, but I got to watch it, and it's, this is the end. It is a great movie if you want to kill some time in the theater this summer. Uh, between all the blockbusters, Seth Rogen, uh, James Franco, Danny McBride, um, uh, Craig Robinson, uh, uh, Jonah Hill, it's it, and and then that's just like the core. Then you've got uh, or, or Jay Baruchel is also in the core. But then you got like Michael Cera, you got Aziz Ansari, you got Rihanna, you got uh, everybody's in this movie. It's really funny, and they're all making fun of themselves as celebrities, which is also great. And then there's the end of the world, and there's demons and and shit. It's pretty great. So watch it. This is the end. Uh, it's it's a it's a laugher throughout. I, I was laughing out loud in the theater. It was exactly what I needed on a on a Friday night after a week of work. All right, guys, that's the cast for this week, Jesse. Um, we'll be camping soon, which I'm very excited about. We will be camping. So uh, and our uh, our top six sexiest babes are going to be there. <laughs> Three of my wife and three of your wife. Exactly. Perfect. Uh, And uh, so we'll be ranking them. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I'm very excited about that. And guys, just have a good summer. Chill out. Have a good time. Grab a beer. 
And uh, until next time, wherever you go. And whatever you do. Please stay, stay arrogant. arrogant. <laughs>